In Romans 12.1, the Apostle Paul implores us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. What does it really mean to be a living sacrifice? It's quite a revelatory, life-altering thought, really, when we really, really think about what it means. And it is everything, the sum of the Christian life in one phrase, living sacrifice. That's what we're talking about on the podcast today. Welcome to season two of a Becoming Journey podcast, where we are all still on the journey of becoming more like Jesus every day. I'm your host, Julie Olette, and it's important to me to share my own journey toward physical, mental, and spiritual health with you, the many struggles and the triumphs, to give encouragement and hope to us all. God has an abundant life for us. It's time to walk in it. You can find more information and resources at my blog, abecomingjourney.com. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of A Becoming Journey podcast. And I'm so excited to talk about our topic today, which is really exploring what it means to offer ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice. I've been so captivated by this scripture recently. Um, Not that long ago, my husband and son and I started trying to commit more scripture to memory as a family. And it has really been such a blessing. And so... As a side note, I encourage you in your family or even just as an individual to begin the process of memorizing scripture. And this is one of the ones that we have started with, Romans 12 and 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And I think that's the ESV version. A lot of us know um, the King James Version, which is your um, reasonable service. But either way, I've just been really captivated by the two words, living sacrifice. So I can't wait to talk with you about that today. But before we do that, I'm going to talk about what I'm eating and what I'm reading. Okay, so today I'm going to share another great recipe with you. I'm sorry to not be sharing another book yet, and that's because I've gotten into a weird place with my reading in that I have a lot of books started and every day I kind of pick and choose which one I'm going to read from. And so I don't want to recommend a book until I have almost finished it or finished it. So I will be recommending another book soon, but not today. Today I have a great recipe. I have um, been sort of tiptoeing my way towards the meal prepping bandwagon. I wouldn't say I've jumped on it, but I am tiptoeing my way to it. 
But what I've been trying to prep is things that are on the healthy side, but also tasty, of course, but also things that will stay good for a long while and that um, are pretty versatile, like it could be a breakfast or a quick lunch or a snack or something like that. So anyway, this is one of those recipes. It's amazing. It's called a mixed berry crisp. And I found it on the website spendwithpennies.com. I will link to the recipe. And really, basically, it's just it, it, I think it caught my eye because it actually called for frozen berries. The berries that I used was a huge bag from Costco and they were freezer burned. They had been in there for months and months. And so I, I actually did not have high hopes for this recipe because, because they were so old. But anyway, I, I was still like, I'm going to try it. So it's just basically it's mixed berries. It's a little flour, a little lemon zest, which I actually didn't have. So I didn't use it. So mixed berries, flour, a little sugar, a very little bit for the size of casserole this is. And then there's a topping. Okay. So the topping does have some you know, maybe less healthy considered foods, but it's in small quantities. So it's butter, flour, brown sugar, but then oats, coconut, and and I had almonds, it calls for pecans, and some cinnamon. So basically you're making that little crisp topping, but the majority of it really is the fruit. So basically you mix up the fruit part, you put that on the bottom of your casserole dish, and then you mix up the topping, the crisp part, you put that on the top, kind of press it down, and then you bake it. So again, I I just wasn't sure what to expect because the berries were so old. Guys, it was amazing. It was so good. And the reason why I'm so happy with this recipe is because it's filled with berries, which are chock full of antioxidants. And I realize for those of you purists out there that having been frozen and then cooked, you know, maybe that's not their optimal condition. But nonetheless, it was a win for me because it made me feel good. That's kind of my test. You know, my body is I'm so super sensitive to how everything makes me feel made my body feel great. And it's delicious. And I literally like scooped out servings of it for over a week because I liked it cold. I kept it in the fridge actually. And so it was like this kind of fruity, not really creamy, but but slightly sweet, fruity, crispy, crunchy thing. I had it for breakfast. I had it for a snack. Anyway, it was fantastic. So I want to pass that along to you. And like I said, it stayed good, like really good for over a week. I kept waiting for it to like start to taste a little funky or look like, you know, mushy, but it never did that. Honestly, I mean, you could tell it wasn't as fresh than the first day, but like it's still, it held together. It didn't start getting watery or anything weird. It was just so good. So I highly recommend it. I'm going to make it again. And it's just a great way to have something that's pretty healthy and good for you prepared and ready to eat when you don't have time to prepare something right then. So I will link to that, but the mixed berry crisp is what I'm eating. 
All right. Well, we'll get to today's topic, which is a living sacrifice. And, you know, it's a little bit more of a sober topic. I, I, I'm kind of finding my way with this podcasting ministry just about different things to talk about that are striking me or things that I'm dealing with or things that I'm finding that are helpful to me. And um, so I don't I don't have like a hard and fast plan for how I decide what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. But this is something that has just really struck me. And I feel like if we can truly grasp this concept, it will completely change our lives, not just our spiritual lives. I believe that when we really fully understand this concept of being a living sacrifice, that this will completely change our lives. And I'm talking about it futuristically, because I don't think that just me thinking about it and and mulling it over and researching, uh, like I don't, I still don't grasp it. I still don't. Like I can intellectually talk about it and, and, you know, have thoughts about it. But I think that this is something that has to be put into practice from the heart before I really understand, understand in the sense that I get it, not just in my mind, but that I, I get it and that I understand. And I believe that it will be life changing for me and for you. So sacrifice. I won't bother, you know, giving a definition, a quote unquote definition for this found on the web. Um, we know what a sacrifice is. To me, a sacrifice, a sacrifice is something that hurts. Now, the degree to which it hurts correlates, I think, to the depth of the sacrifice. A little sacrifice still results in a like a twinge or a pinch of discomfort. You know, I think um, nobody really enjoys fasting or not not anybody that I know, I guess, really enjoys fasting food, fasting meals. And so I think of like a little sacrifice, one of those times where you decide to fast a single meal. Like you still, you still miss the food. You still miss the opportunity to eat. So there's discomfort there. But, but it's not like if you've ever gone on an extended fast, how much more difficult that is and, and other deeper sacrifices, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But to me, that is a small sacrifice. It's still, there's still discomfort. There's still, it's, I'm still giving up something and it hurts a little. That might be a small sacrifice. When we talk about big sacrifices, what comes to mind, and I, I hate to bring it up, honestly, because it hurts me to just think about it. it. It's hard for me to think about. But when I think about sacrifice and big sacrifice, I think about Abraham and Isaac. I think about Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac, his son, his very son. No, he didn't have to go through with the actual killing of his beloved son. But make no mistake, 
Abraham did sacrifice Isaac in his heart. It was in his heart to do it, to obey the Lord no matter what. To understate it, this is a big sacrifice. One that might have the power to destroy the mind or even the physical body of the giver. Like I said, when I when I try to put myself in Abraham's shoes, I just, I, I, I can't even do it. It's like my mind doesn't comprehend. I do feel like I would maybe lose my mind. And, you know, I mean, hasn't any parent who's heard the story of Abraham and shuddered inwardly, thanked God silently that he hasn't asked this of you? What parent hasn't cringed with the near sure knowledge that he or she would never be able to go through with it, that the price was just too high? A real sacrifice hurts. It's the giving up of something that we want or we love or we feel like we need. And that story of Abraham and Isaac, if you read it, oh my goodness, it's so compelling and I just can't get it off my mind. I believe it's in Genesis, I want to say 12 or 22, somewhere in there. I know it's in Genesis, but just read the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. And, and it's just, there's so, there are so many gold nuggets in the story, but I think that's just why I can't get this scripture of, of presenting myself as a living sacrifice. I can't get that off my mind. It's one thing if the sacrifice is like a one and done type of thing, as in the Old Testament sacrifices. So most of us know once a year, the people of God brought their offerings to be sacrificed. And I've heard preachers elaborate, you know, and use their imaginations maybe on how for a family to keep an animal unblemished because they had to offer an unblemished animal For them to keep the animal unblemished, they would really have to care for it closely with special diligence, with special care. And sure, 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 I can believe that perhaps that animal became kind of like a pet. I've heard preachers say that. I I, I can see that, you know, people being how they are, that, that, you know, you would just get attached to this little pet, you know, because you... It, it grows up close to the family. And, and I can see how when it came time a year later or whenever it was that they had to go and offer this sacrifice, I can see that that would be painful, could be painful. It was certainly a financial sacrifice. It was a material sacrifice for the family. And, and I believe I can even, I can even go with you that it was an emotional sacrifice. But the point is that whatever was felt when they made the sacrifice, it had a definite end. They offered the sacrifice and it was over. Yes, they would come again the next year, but that sacrifice for that year was over. It had an end. Perhaps they mourned the animal. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they recognized the great and and inestimable value of their sins being rolled ahead by the sacrifice of this animal that they, they weren't really bothered by it because they were receiving mercy. 
I don't know. I just don't know. But my point is that it was, it happened one time a year. It was over after that moment and they would come again the following year. But, but what here, that's why I'm just like struck with this. What of the living part of the phrase living sacrifice? It's ongoing. You're still living. It's, it's something has not physically died. The sacrifice continues day after day after day. It never stops. It is a perpetual dying. It is a perpetual pain of sorts. But you know, where, if we consider, where is the center of the pain? The center of that pain, is it? Is it not in our very fleshly nature? Aren't we feeling it in in our flesh? It's the unregenerate nature that must continually be abased and crucified. And contrary to the morbid sound of this, however, the spirit, when we crucify the deeds of the flesh, when we mortify the deeds of the flesh, the spirit is renewed and set free. And friends, I don't think I have to tell you that there is no comparison. If you have experienced just the freedom that comes when you have sacrificed your flesh, but there's such a freedom in your spirit, it's hard to explain, but if you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. And I'll just say it's hard to live that way day after day. I, I feel like I've experienced moments of that and snippets of time where that's been true. And it is so wonderful. There's really no comparison. Like I said, as morbid as it may sound to have this perpetual dying of your sinful nature, you know, the perpetual dying may kind of sound morbid, but it's not. It's wonderful. It's freeing. It's liberating. And so, you know, does it hurt? Yes, but it hurts what's supposed to hurt, the fleshly nature, the carnal person inside of us who who rages against God and the things of God. That is what is being hurt with this perpetual dying to self. So what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? So I've already mentioned a few of these, but number one, it is ongoing. So different from a traditional sacrifice where perhaps it happens once and is over or the Old Testament death of an animal and it's over. Even if you gave a sacrificial offering, you know, you gave it and it's over. But a living sacrifice, what Paul is talking about in Romans, number one, it is ongoing. It means that every single day we have to, by the Spirit, again mortify the deeds of the flesh. Romans 8.13 lets us know that this is really where true living begins kind of what I referred to a moment ago, uh, where that that real sense of freedom begins. I, I was in a meeting one time where a minister said that every night when you go to sleep, 
your flesh, while you think it's resting, actually that carnal nature is like doing exercises so that when you wake up again the next day, your carnal man is strengthened and he's ready to go and rage against the things of the spirit again. And that's why we have to crucify him again every day. We are never finished with this task while we remain in this mortal body. Never. Perseverance is required. Some days, actually a lot of days, if I'm being honest, we're just not feeling it. You know, we're, we're, we're not in the spirit and we're not feeling it. But what we are feeling is all the grumpiness and the bad day and the irritation and the conflict. That's what we're feeling. And, and, and we don't want to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. However, we are called to persevere in our decision to give all, to give all every day. So what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means that it is ongoing. Number two, it is all encompassing. If my entire life is a sacrifice, then that means everything. Everything. There is nothing in my life or about me that escapes the altar of sacrifice. I'm going to start naming things, but you can add your own things to this list. Goals, dreams, relationships, desires, 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 possessions, attitudes, feelings, emotions, whatever I dream of, whatever I desire, it all must submit to the Lord's will. And here's a tough one. Also included in this is my image. And I feel a lot of people are struggling with this one today, especially because of this very social world that we live in. Everyone's image is always being portrayed to hundreds of people. Generally, we generally have, if you're active online, you've got, you know, hundreds of followers or virtual friends. And so we're we're portraying an image day after day and others are portraying their image to us. And so I think it's an even bigger deal maybe than it used to be. But our image is on the altar of sacrifice. Our image is a part of this. My image is no longer mine. It is to merely be a reflection of the glory of God. I should disappear in the effort to portray the master. I must decrease. He must increase. And this one may be the hardest of all. Jesus calls us to lay down our idol of image and worship at his feet. And this gives us freedom. Freedom comes when I cease to care what others think of me and only care about what Jesus knows of me. Number three, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It means that you are liberated. Once the heart of someone is set on sacrifice, God's provision 
is revealed in greater measure. I was floored to realize, going back to the story of Abraham and Isaac, that once Abraham lay Isaac on the altar and the Bible says, and picked up his knife, it was then, only then, that the Lord stayed his hand and revealed the ram in the bush. Oh man, this just gets me. After sacrificing the ram, Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And you can read that in Genesis 22 and 14. My goodness. After Abraham had sacrificed Isaac in his heart, and then he saw the ram, he sacrificed the ram literally, physically, and then he said, I'm calling this place, the Lord will provide. I think that is such a revelation. We often think of material things when we Consider God as our provider. But but seeing that this is where that term comes from makes me think it's so, so, so much more. It's not just that he provides the food on my table. It's not just that he provides the job and the income and, and the material possessions. It's not just that. He provides the sustenance for my life. He provides the peace, the joy. He provides the ability for me to sacrifice. He really provides all things and Isn't this the greatest liberty of all? To realize that when we have Jesus, we truly have need of nothing. That's freedom. When I am full of myself, I'm consumed with my needs, my desires, my troubles. But when I empty myself, I become full of him and we become freed from being weighted down with all the innumerable cares of this life. Remember that old song? The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think that when we do really get it, living sacrifice, that everything else does grow dim. I believe that this concept is one of the most misunderstood among Christians and non-Christians alike. How could giving up my rights, my desires, and all that I care about be good? And yet, it's more than good. When the Lord knows that we are truly His, sold out in every way, then He truly reveals Himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides.
And friends, this is really the only way to truly live.